This is Medrash Tanchuma, Parsus Vechi. So the Medrash starts out saying that God prohibited Yaakov from revealing the Kates. What exactly does that mean? This is quoted by Rashi too. So it could mean that Yaakov wanted to describe the end of days. It could mean that Yaakov wanted to give an exact date when Mashiach was going to come. Of course, that's very problematic. We have the famous idea of Be'ita Achishena, that uh, Mashiach is going to come on a certain date, no matter if we do tshuva or not, but, if, but we can hasten his coming. Well, there's no hasten his coming if there's a specific date. And of course, it violates the, Ram, the Rambam's rules, as reflected in the song, Afapish Yitmamea, in Well, there's no tarrying if there's a specific date. It means he's, Sheikh is always coming on time. And of course, the Gemara says outright, you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to reveal the end days if you have those powers. So what exactly is going on here? Interesting enough, the Medrash gives an analogy to explain itself. Of course, the analogy can be taken in different ways. So the, the Medrash says that there was an elderly uh, servant and he served very diligently the king, so much so that the king even gave him his documents for an, uh, emancipation, but the uh, servant remained loyal and never used it, never tried to leave. And on his deathbed, he thought that his children would follow in his way, so he wanted to give them each their own documents of emancipation, and the king found out about it and didn't let him do that. So, okay, what's the nimshal? So if you take it literally, that document of emancipation is like revealing the date of when Mashiach is coming. And it, yes, Yaakov may have had the faith, even if he knew that it would be thousands of years later, his faith was so strong, it wouldn't deter his, uh, you know, his Jewish practice. But who knows if future generations, you find out that Mashiach isn't coming for thousands of years, it may put a damper in your desire to, uh, you know, to repent, to do tshuva, or lead a religious life, it may in fact lead to uh, despair. So that's one way of looking at it. There's another way of looking at it, if you put more emphasis on the story in just the, the loyalty, which you could talk about as emunah, as faith, you know, that uh, just because uh, Yaakov had faith doesn't mean that the same degree of faith in his children or in future generations, and that's the point. So that lends itself to a more mystical explanation, and that is provided by the Sfas Emes, who says, and let me quote, Kishoresh Agolos Huagula. So Sfas Emes says that the, what actually Yaakov wanted to reveal was this idea, the deep-seated idea that he had, which was even if you're looking at Golas, it's really, you have to see it as the beginning of Geula. You somehow have to transform yourself out of your present situation and see that destiny is unfolding and this is really something good. And if you start to get into a morass, then you're going to fall into this Golas. As he, as he says, Golas It first comes this, you know, psychological feeling 
that things are going wrong and then physically you you kind of fall into that because you can't look at at, at it as God is doing bad because as Fasema says there is no such thing as bad and Fasema says something really interesting that just like Yaakov knew this, Yosef knew this and in this famous uh, story in the, in the Torah where after Yaakov dies, the brothers come to Yosef and say, you know, God, um, we really, uh, you really can't take revenge on us. The, our father doesn't permit it. And Yosef cried. And before him say he cried because he said, wow, after all this time, they still don't trust me. They, they still think I'm trying to take revenge for selling me into slavery. But this Fasemus gives another reason. He says he cried because he too, like Yaakov, understood that this is just the beginning of a beautiful future of a, of a geula. And he realized that the brothers don't get it. And the brothers are thinking that this whole thing, that they're sort of falling into this dark times, it's all because they sold Yosef into slavery. They think it's their fault. So they're, again, they're getting demoralized and, and following this, and following this uh, uh, golos uh, nefesh is going to be the golos aguf. They're going to, going to slide right into it. And so that, it was, it was a very disturbing thought, and that's why he cried. So, um, what do we take out of this? Why, why in fact, couldn't, uh, why couldn't Yaakov reveal, you know, this, this, this faith that he had and this, this way of looking at, at things that would help alleviate so much of the anguish? Why couldn't he share that? So, you could say that it's, it's not something you can just tell somebody and they're going to suddenly change their life and adopt it. It has to be something you have to live through yourself. And uh, of course, you know, the Torah itself, God describes, and this is not the Swasemis, but the God, the God describes uh, Golos Mitzrayim as a Korah Barzel, that it's like, you know, taking the impurities out of precious metals and out of this great adversary is going to come the greatness of the Jewish people. But, but, the it seems that the Jews had to live it themselves, had to had to had to come to it themselves, and 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 uh, they had to develop a bedrock of faith so strong that it would sustain us through all of Jewish history. Perhaps that's why we have to mention Mitzrayim every day, and we elaborate it so much on Pesach and teach it to our children, because you know seeing the. The slavery and then this great world power brought to their knees gives us faith that that needs to sustain us and at the end of the day it becomes part of the DNA of every Jew. Have a great Shabbos.